and religiously, and here's here's what's going to make you even more mad. Can I give you a logical, non-religious answer to why I don't want it burned? No, yes. I can't do it. Oh, I thought you were asking me if you could present that now. And yes, please do. I have zero non-religious, non... (laughs) Making it even worse. (laughs) I just want to get it out there. I have zero (sighs) non-religious, spiritual, factual reasons I don't want to burn it. It is all <laughs> basically superstition. Okay, no. <laughs> are you? Are you it is, it is, I am so serious. It is. Listen. <laughs> no. It, no. Listen, listen, it is my religion. Stop it. And I you're not. not you're just do it. fucking with me. I can't denounce it. The absence. Change. Show me it's a beautiful day. You no, have I don't. No, even dumb people like, say smart do things. Do it. I can't now. The fine of Jeff right now. Fuck out of my face. I'm too stupid. I give you Genesis. logical, religion has non-religious answer. I'm a Mennonite. Dissertation of chalk talk. Play devil's advocate. <laughs> Welcome back no! to the Devil's Advocate podcast. It's a beautiful day to be drinking, to be smoking, and I will say we are both going to get heavily um, induced in the in this episode. And, any, and okay, yes. With that out of the way, our main topic. The main topic for today is drugs, part two. Whoa! <coughs> I like drugs. Say no to drugs, kids. <laughs> so for those of you who aren't following our Facebook and Instagram, you should. We recorded this. It's our. It's actually our first actual recorded piece of uh, video content. Yeah, of, yeah. Like us in it. So go check it out. The Devil's Advocate Podcast uh, 666 the, on all social media platforms. Yes. And we'll also drop a link to our link tree in the description. Check that out. Um, but what you should know is that we had to record that a lot of times. So I am now very drunk because I have (laughs) fully chugged about six beers now. You have smoked a decent amount of marijuana. Yeah, I've smoked like four bowls, like four bubblers that I'm not softly packing either. I'm loading them up. So, uh, oh, here, this might help for the, the image. Um... We are both a little intoxicated at this point. I also took 18 puffs instead of my 30 of my vape. So, you know, I'm cutting back a little bit. Only eight, 18 puffs at a time. <laughs> <laughs> but we uh, last drugs episode, we talked about marijuana, uh, alcohol, and did we nicotine? We talked about nicotine, but I first have a confession. About nicotine. Thank God. Give your confession while I smoke nicotine. And I'm packing another bowl as we speak. So my confession about nicotine is that I lied on the last show. Yes, you did. And and I, here's the thing. I am not a liar. So for me to have lied, it was a very shameful moment. And it deeply bothered me. But allow me to explain my reason. So me and my best friend had an accountability pact for 
nicotine. But needless to say, we had an accountability pact for nicotine to stop smoking, vaping, whatever. We both thought that the other had succeeded at this pact for the last four months or so. But little did we know, we both had slipped and fallen into doing Zen pouches, which are like nicotine salt pouches that you can just keep in your lip. You don't have to spit. It's not like dip or anything. It's non-tobacco. So I had failed pretty early on and been too ashamed to admit it to her. So I didn't come clean on the podcast because I know they listen to the show. Yes. And I wanted to like present an image that was stronger so that it allowed her to keep not doing it. Little did I know she was already also doing it and she was doing the exact same thing to me because she thought I was doing well and wanted to like motivate me to succeed. So we both just didn't tell each other for the whole time until she sent me a picture of some art that she had been working on and I saw the Zim pouches on the counter and then the veil was broken. And what a a coinky dinky that both of you are actually doing Zen pouches in the same flavor. The same flavor of Zen pouch even. Yeah. And by the way... And it was great. When I saw them and got coffee the other day, she gave me like seven or eight Zen pouches. That's like a whole pack. (laughs) I know. It was like half a pack, yeah. But um, by the way... Shout out again for that. Thanks to the Zens. If if you do smoke cigarettes, Zen pouches is a healthier alternative. Check them out. They really are phenomenal. Yeah. I tried a few Zen pouches. I did the menthol ones. You do the spearmint. I'm doing wintergreen. Wintergreen, sorry. The, the wintergreen. I've done ones. I've done all of them at this point though. I've done spearmint. I've done wintergreen, cinnamon, coffee. And it does give you a fun a menthol. fantastic buzz. It really does. They, yeah, they I, for me personally, I haven't had any cravings for cigarettes since I started them. Uh it's been non existent. So and talking about cigarettes, actually, since drugs part one, when I said <laughs> that I was going to try my best to quit nicotine, uh, I actually started smoking cigarettes. I have then stopped. I bought one pack. I went through all of them. Uh, I did Newport menthols. And let me say, I get it. They are amazing. However, I have quit since then. That was a few weeks ago. I do still vape, but I am, uh, it is September 30th and I am trying to give up alcohol and nicotine for all of October with Joe Rogan, Ari Shafir, Burt Kreischer, and Tom Segura all doing the sober October. So I am going to try my best to participate. And if I fail, I will definitely let the podcast know, but yeah, cause this will come out right at the end of October. So basically You'll yeah, I'll, have to report on uh, the, the Facebook group. I will let you guys know how I've done. I uh, I purchased, let's see, I purchased 10 beers today. I gave you one. I have done seven. So I'm going to drink my, my last Miller High Life. Shout out Miller High Life. And I'm going to give you the rest of the cherry fluffs from Ballad Brewing. Shout out Ballad Brewing. Shout out Ballad Brewing for Bringing cherry fluff back for one. I yeah, mean, they brought cherry fluff back. Number okay, number one, they brought cherry fluff back. Which w- it would I be preposterous to say it's our favorite beer? No, it is my favorite beer. Okay, hands down, favorite beer, cherry fluff. They brought and two, they brought it back for a second season with a gorgeous new can with too. a new fucking can, and it's a beautiful can. It is instead of black, it had it's it's a pink can. It it's mostly the same, but it's much lighter. 
It is still very aesthetically pleasing. Shout out to Ballad Brewing. Please sponsor us. We love you. Give me a dollar off be- your beer and I will suck your dick. Um, I talk about sucking dick way too much on this You podcast. love sucking Ballad Brewing's dick. So. Oh, I love sucking beer dick, but like I am straight, so <laughs> it might be confu- confusing to listeners. <laughs> but today, uh, so the drugs we'll be talking about are one, LSD, also known as acid, uh, two, mushrooms, three, woodrow seeds. Yeah, Hawaiian woodrow um, seeds. Cocaine. Mm, yeah. And shrooms. Shrooms and Molly. And Adderall. And Adderall. We'll be giving our experiences, positives, negatives. And I think the the real different thing between this podcast and Drugs Part 1 is most of the ones that I've done, you haven't done. And most of the ones you've done, I haven't done. So we can't really argue too much between each other. We can both just give our, give our goods and bads and try to relate them as much as we can. Yeah. So the first drug we are going to talk about is the cocaina, the cocaine. I have tried it once. You never? never? Okay. Um, I did not have a great experience with it. I didn't have a bad experience with it. Uh, I think I had some probably pretty cut shit. We, it's not like we're the drug capital of the world. The drugs we're really known for are meth and heroin. And neither of us have tried either of those, correct? No, no. Okay, you've never done meth heroin? Oh, Good. no, no, no. Wait, you haven't either? <laughs> I haven't, but I do know someone who was recently arrested for having a pound and a half of meth. <laughs> but, uh, you know, God bless her soul. Let's see where how, how many years she spends in jail. But I do want to talk about cocaine. Um, I did it one night, and I didn't feel much. Like, I felt very energetic. It was hard to sleep. I didn't sleep much that night. I stayed awake for most of the night just watching TV. Um, However, I do think that I have ADHD. So I think that might have played a role in me not feeling it as much. Uh, I don't have too much to say on it. I I had some mediocre sex. (laughs) I was very focused for a movie, which never happens. So, you know, that might be a thing. I forget the movie that I watched. It was over a year ago. I had a good time, but it wasn't worth the money. And from what I know about cocaine, it it, it can be very addictive. And for me personally, the, the ups don't in any way outweigh the, the negatives. You can get very addicted. It is ridiculously expensive. And uh, like caffeine it didn't it definitely got me high but if i if i'm trying to be up for a while i'll just do caffeine <laughs> so my uh cocaine's a short one cuz again i only tried it once yeah but pros you do feel good you feel like the shit you're very focused um the negatives it's very expensive it can potentially be very addictive and it's it's not that crazy. We should have Kat on here to talk about cocaine. We should. And we should also she do... She would it. have lots to say about it. We should do an episode where we just do cocaine a lot and not tell anyone. 
Okay. And then come on the air. And the pro- I, I will say I learned the process. If we get some real cocaine. good shit, then yeah, I'll try it. Yeah, if we can get some real cocaine, we won't tell you because that's like against laws or whatever. But we'll do an episode on cocaine and you'll probably be able to tell because we will be chattering a lot and speaking ridiculously fast. But cocaine, if I had to rate it one out of ten, I'd give it a six. <laughs> it's not a terrible time, but it's definitely not worth the risks. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, if you want to have one good night, try it once. If you have an addictive personality, don't try <laughs> it. And that's my thoughts on cocaine. But I'm related gonna go to, to cocaine, another stimulant. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Adderall. Which I have never done. Hmm. However, you have had a, a decent number times. of experiences now. Yes. And... The majority of the times I've taken Adderall, it's been fine. Um, I mean, I don't get a lot uh, of sleep afterwards. Mm-hmm. I mean, in general, I don't really get a lot of sleep. What's your average hour of sleep per night? Nightly? Yes. Between five and six. And with cocaine? Or sorry, with Adderall? Oh, maybe two. Jeez. I mean, the day after Adderall... I will wake up every 20 minutes the entire night. Oh, so you just keep waking up, and can you get back to sleep fairly quickly? Or do I you mean, have... relatively quickly, but... But uh, in 20 but minutes, But I just wake, wake up, up again. Okay. And so what was your experience on it? Like, I mean, <laughs> I got a lot done. So you were productive. You used it for productive reasons. Yeah, yeah. Exclusively for, for productive reasons. I was only using it to get as much done as possible in as short of amount of time as possible. It was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I counterbalanced it with weed. <laughs> and I have to eat. You have to eat right before. Why? Because you will not eat on it. You would just okay, you won't yeah. have an appetite at all. I'll say that's the same with cocaine. Yeah, like you, you will literally just have no appetite. You will not be able to eat. And the ones that I've always taken are strong ones. So they last like 12 hours. And so when I do it, it's like a full day commitment. So I try to take it early. I just my this is my routine. When I, when I take an Adderall. Tell us your Adderall routine. Hashtag Adderall routine. And I'm not done with Adderall. I'll make that very clear. You're not done with Adderall. No. I'll come back one day. Because okay. I will have need of it again. Jesus. Probably very fucking soon, honestly. I don't know how I feel about that, but okay. It's, it's got to be done. So, I wake up. 5 a.m. I hit my dab. How many hits? Just one? one. Okay. So one you're not big, like me. One big hit. Hold it in, cough a bunch. Okay, then I'm like, cool. I go downstairs. If I'm taking Adderall, I don't want it to last. I want it to be ending past 6 p.m., 7 p.m. So So I need to take it around 6 a.m. So 6, 7 p.m. is your cutoff. That's when you want it to stop. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what I'll do is I'll do one of two things. I'll let it go until 9. That's the latest I'll go. But I need some time where I can let it wear off before the next day begins. The come down. Mm -hmm. Because the come down is rough. The come down is rough. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very. I will say with cocaine, personally, the one time I did it, again, I only did like half a gram, didn't have much of a come down. But you're, it's pretty rough, so you need some time for it. Yeah, so the latest is 9 p.m. Yeah, so the earliest I could take it, latest I could take it would be 9 a.m. Yeah. So I get up around 5. I try to, 4 or 5, and I try to take it before 6. So Either I'll go downstairs, I'll make myself something to eat. I never eat breakfast, but I will eat breakfast when I take Adderall. I'll say I'll eat something because I need something on my stomach because I know I'm not going to eat the whole day, no matter what. <laughs> and I'll eat something, I'll take the Adderall, then I'll get in the shower. Then I get in the shower. Cold or hot? Depends. Okay. Either way. And I take a shower, and I usually let it be a long shower because I know I'm like, this is my only time to relax here. 20 minutes? Sure. 
because it's going to take about between 30 minutes and an hour for the Adderall to kick in. And so the shower and getting ready and getting to sit down at my studio is like my prep time. And then by the time I'm sitting down, usually it's time. And what's that feel like? Like, what does that initial kick feel Hollow. like? Hollow. <laughs> what? Okay. What does that mean? Hollow. I feel like ethereal. <laughs> like more aware more objective than you would be i feel like i'm like more hyper intensively aware of everything do you feel almost like a third body experience no not really but you just feel like this overwhelming sense of like needing to do something but also uncomfortability oh that sounds fun yeah okay so and that that hits around seven let's say yeah so seven seven a.m you're feeling slightly uncomfortable but you need to be doing something yeah. and you're sitting in your studio mm-hmm. and and tasks that take a lot of effort are the best kind okay like long focused tasks with a lot of detail and do you drink caffeine on these days usually yeah <laughs> you make coffee and have a red bull oh jesus okay okay continues through and, your day and so i just then i just work the entire day and by the time 4 or 5 p.m hits i start feeling like shit and then i have like three or four hours of feeling like shit but i'm still doing stuff and then i'm too shitty and i have a headache to do anything yeah tell me about the come down tell me because yeah, it's almost like acid you feel achy and weak and exhausted and i usually get, get a headache afterwards too so that's when i try to start going to sleep but like i said the sleep is a rough process afterwards yeah it's a very long process to go to sleep if you manage to get any at all so yeah but my last time yes. with adderall i felt like shit almost the entire day like after you took it you i actually just... don't I, I barely remember it even now honestly but but i, I just i remember i felt like shit almost the entire day and then for a few days after i felt like shit jesus where I was just weak and tired as fuck, and I was just not hungry at all. So, and that was days after, like four days, mm-hmm. three or four days, yeah. Fuck. And then I haven't done it since. That was maybe like a month or two ago. I re- I actually remember that day pretty, not vividly, but I remember you coming over and you're like, I think I'm done. And uh, I was very happy about it because you were doing it quite frequently. <laughs> now, if I had to ask, how addictive would you say Adderall is? I didn't have any issues stopping. No. Okay. Cause- because I do want to bring up one of my favorite things you've ever said to me. And it was while you were on Adderall and you looked at me and you said, I am not addicted to Adderall. I am addicted to productivity. Yeah, exactly. Do you I remember agree- that? Yeah, fuck yeah, I remember that statement. <laughs> of course. I stand by that. <laughs> I still am. Uh, so I'm you not did, addicted to anything. <laughs> you didn't have many problems with the addiction to it. Would you say it is fairly addictive? I guess it could be. Yeah. It could be. And if you had to rate this drug one out of ten. Uh, seven. A seven. All right. If you had to rate the the good part, the best part of it, one out of ten. Uh eight or nine. And the worst. The worst part you ever felt because of it. Maybe three or four. Three or four. Okay. Well that so there I think that concludes our stimulants fully actually never mind i take that back my next one is also a stimulant what is it it is my favorite woman molly (laughs) mdma methyl dioxomethamphetamines (laughs) jesus it is a derivation of methamphetamine it is the active ingredient in ecstasy and it is my favorite drug so i i took this one a lot 
uh, <laughs> back in the day, back in the day, not n- any time recent. This was over a year and a half, two years ago. Um, but it is definitely a stimulant. It is also a hallucinogen. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think it's known as like the sex drug. Um, so yeah, I'll delve into that a little bit. I I started with Molly with a woman I was seeing at the time. And I took Molly in a way most people don't. So usually people drink it. Like they'll put it in their drink and uh, and drink it. I was snorting it. (laughs) (laughs) Now let me say, first of all, snorting Molly, zero out of ten at first. It is, um, have you ever snorted anything? No? No. Okay. So you get this thing called a drip. And that is like, have you ever been cold and you like hawk up a loogie and you feel like snot from your nose go into your mouth? Yeah. Okay. It's like that. But there's a taste. And the so you get this drip going. It's like mucus from your nose dripping into your, your throat and you have to suck it up and swallow it. And the drip of Molly is by far 100% the most bitter, disgusting, disgusting like chemically thing i've ever tasted ew and at first it is horrid (laughs) however after maybe the 10th time i did it it was my favorite taste in the world like i i could not wait to suck that drip in and then swallow (laughs) it because i knew it was gonna hit jesus so it is rough at the beginning it's Okay, it is it is a stimulant, and it is very much a stimulant. You get very awake. You want to do things. You want to get shit done. However, the things you want to get done aren't necessarily productive. Like, maybe cleaning dishes, but also, like, binging four seasons of a show. <laughs> or, you know, being with a woman and doing some things many, 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 many times. It is, you get so awake, but you also get the these hallucinogenic waves in. So your vision's a little fucked up, and you've done hallucinogens, and so you know this. It's it's the mental aspect. There is a mental feeling of that you cannot describe unless you're on a hallucinogen, mm-hmm. and you have that all yeah. the way through. And it's maybe. I really forget, but I'm a, I'm going to say four hours long. Hmm. However, I would get a gram at a time, and I would do it over and over. The whole gram? Yeah. <laughs> no, there was never a time I ever had Molly and didn't finish it that night. I think the most I got was an eighth, so three and a half grams, which is a ridiculous yeah. amount of Molly. I'm sure it was cut with something at this point. Uh, I wouldn't do a lot at one time, but I would do like, you know, 0.1, 0.2, maybe 0.5 an hour. So Jesus I would, Christ. I would really keep it rolling. Uh, and that's what they call it. They call it rolling uh, once you, you're you on it. And it is, I'm not going to lie. I can't lie here. The up is maybe the best I've ever felt in my entire life. Damn. It is phenomenal. You feel good. You feel energetic. You feel awake. You feel emotional. You're connected to the people around you. You're talking. Everything feels good. Like closing your hands is an orgasm. 
moving your muscles, <laughs> stretching. Everything is beautiful. However, mm. it is for me personally, I've heard it's not that addictive, but for me, it's probably the most addictive thing I've ever done. I got mm. a, a little bit addicted to it. I was doing it way too much. I was spending a lot of money on it. And the come downs, the rough. come downs are real rough. You feel so like, like I was saying earlier, out of 10, it was a 15. The highs were mm, like yeah, a yeah. 15. You didn't need to eat. You weren't hungry. You were just so content. You loved people. You wanted to call your grandparents and tell, tell them how much you loved them. You wanted to like hug your friends, stretching. Like everything was beautiful. But the come downs, zero out of 10, were a negative 100. You feel depressed. You hate life. You're insanely emotional you want to cry you think people hate you like you are going insane it mm. is like the come down of acid times a hundred you are just so fucked up so is there anything you have that you can compare that to <sighs> fucking losing a child like it is i've never <laughs> lost a child by the way but it is it is one of the worst experiences i've ever had in my entire life the come downs are so intense and the only way to get through it is is sleeping through it damn and i will say i never had a problem sleeping on the come down because you're just you are exhausted to the max it is like you worked eight eight like 20 hour days in a row and you're finally off and you get to sleep you are so exhausted everything hurts you are only thing i could even compare it to would be adderall yeah it is so terrible and personally for me so addictive um it was really scary because it was something i craved so often yeah and it's not cheap either so i was i was craving it pretty heavy yeah um why because you're like witnessing yourself like go down that path or something yeah because you see it because also there's a hallucinogenic effect and when i'm on hallucinogens i love looking in the mirror oh yeah but when you're on like molly and you're like you're really hyper and uh up you go look in the mirror and then there's always that one part of you that's like what the fuck are you doing like oh, you're looking yeah. in the mirror and you like your face is fucked up you look so fucked up really oh yeah you look like your eyes are huge your pupils are insanely dilated you look drunk like your face, you can't really control how how it looks. Your face is moving because you're on a, a hallucinogen. Yeah. Nothing steady. Like you look fucked up, and you're just like, "What am I doing right now?" Like I feel insane. Yeah. So Molly, I give a four out of ten for the bad part. I get overall oh, overall because yeah. the because the negative is so bad that it detrimental. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have many hang like uh, withdrawal effects, but it really did fuck with me, and like it was a hard thing to stop doing. Yeah, because it was so great, and I also took it while I was very depressed. Yeah, so then your mind starts to associate the the feeling of elation and the removal of depression with that too, and exactly, and that it just like, reinforces it every time. Yeah, it was like the only times I could connect with my friends, the only times I was happy, the only times where sex felt great. The only times where, like, I really felt good 
was when I was on this drug that was yeah. very expensive, very toxic, not good for you, and left me with a terrible hangover. Yeah. So, the, yes, the greats are greats, but the negatives really are fucking ruthless. Absolutely. Okay, ruthless. weed break. Ooh, got some nice crackle in there, too. Yeah, good I ASMR. So, uh, just to let y'all know, we we ended up stopping the podcast yesterday. We are continuing it today, which also means... Yep, but it's so fluid that you guys don't even know. No, you don't. We're letting you know. We're yep. cluing you in because we're nice. Yep, because we got cool shit we want to But, uh, yes, I've, I've started my sobriety <laughs> today. <laughs> yeah, your first day. My first day. <laughs> and let me say, I've almost broken it like seven times. <laughs> I, I miss... I miss hitting the vape in my absurd ways so much. I just keep looking at it and drooling. And I miss my beer. And I have found out that when I don't do drugs, I just drink copious amounts of milk. Because that's all I've been doing today. I've drank almost half a gallon of milk. I guess this is what being sober is. It's just milk. Being Drinking lots of milk is what being sober is. That's what I've learned. <sighs> Sounds like an interesting sobriety. <laughs> 13 hours in, or 18. Yeah, like a good, or wait, 20. A good 20 hours in, and it's it's already kicking my ass. I only have 29 days and four hours left. You got it, though. I got it. I got you're, it. You're not like... I can't be a little bitch. You're not like me and Kat. <laughs> no. No, I have, I have motivation. I have a will. Yep, motivation is a choice. It is. Yeah, it is. It's hard to make this choice. Yep. But we're going to be sober. Not we. Me. Me's going to be sober. You're going to do your drugs. Yep. And be super productive. So let us know how the, these string of episodes come out, because I'll probably be sober till the end of this, this little season. Yeah, because this is the end of season one. Yeah, we got, what, two more? Two more after this. Hell yeah. Yeah. But uh, let's get back on to drugs then. Yeah, yeah. Drugs, drugs. Drugs, drugs, I like drugs. drugs. I like drugs. I need to make that sound good. I it's do not be. freebase cocaine. <laughs> I might do a little a little bump in the night, you know what I'm saying? I might do Say a... no to drugs, kids. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I need that bit again. All right, so we yeah. are we're going into woodrow seeds. Yep, sticking with hallucinogens. Well, we're getting, and... this is our the deep, deep hallucinogenic segment all the, the rest were if anything minorly hallucinogenic but now we're delving full into the hallucinogens yeah yeah um and the first of those really i mean uh, it's the only one i have other than the one time i tried shrooms which you i never didn't do get, I, no i have oh okay uh but we're saying that's the last yeah um I, i'm gonna do shrooms first shrooms first yeah okay just because that's the only other hallucinogen that i've done besides the the big one and what about the seeds? Yeah, I know, but it's not really a visual thing. Not like not the way these two are. But my experience with shrooms, I didn't have anything because I, I don't even think I was able to get them down. I don't think I ate enough to be potent because I hated the taste and the texture so much. They are that I was just like, rough. this isn't worth it to me because I highly value the taste of things and I don't eat things that taste like shit. And it was a rotten, horribly pungent disgusting smell that yep. I will never forget. And just 
looking at them. They were like gray and black yep. and just fucking slimy. And slimy? Nasty. What do you mean slimy? Not like, not like slimy, but just, they just looked disgusting. They should have been dried out, no? They, they were, they yeah, they were fine like that. They were very tough though, probably. Yeah. And they, and just, they were so bitter and they tasted like shit. Yep. And it was just so bad that I was like, nope, I, I actually don't want a trip bad enough to continue eating these. So I just didn't eat anymore. And that was it with shrooms. Now, if if I could have a way, maybe, maybe, like a shroom tea or... They make if like it, little if it pills was like, with them. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If it was ground up and put into a pill, then I could do that. But that's basically my only options. Because I could not deal with the flavor and the texture and just the smell of putting it to my mouth and eating it and trying not to gag on the disgusting stench. Like, I just can't do it. it so you're I, a little bitch. I don't like sh- mushrooms in general. The only mushrooms I've ever enjoyed were mushroom pot stickers, like dumplings, with a wasabi foam and some other garnishes on it with a pickled mushrooms. And those were delicious. It was like three d- dumplings with pickled mushroom on the side. That sounds good. And the wasabi foam and a like avocado aioli, or maybe it was a, some sort of basil pesto also. And that was good. That's the only time I've ever enjoyed mushrooms. I just don't like the taste, the texture, the smell of pretty much any mushroom. No, I just don't like mushrooms. You're too much a bitch. Mushrooms are nasty. All you have to do is eat it. Yeah. And I don't have to eat things that taste like shit. It's a personal (laughs) philosophy. It's a trip, man. I don't want a trip bad enough. The trip is worth it. I don't need it that bad, though. I don't get into my experience with shrooms because I'm not a little bitch who can't handle tastes. Jesus Christ. I can handle it. I just choose not to because I don't need to. Uh, but uh, it is rough. They're rough. They are rough to get down. They it just are. doesn't It just doesn't benefit me enough to, to do it. Like I used to grind them up. I had a specific grinder for them, and I would put them in orange juice. Like Apparently, the acidity helps it kick in quicker. There's a name for it. Maybe it was lime juice. I don't fucking know. But I've had many experiences with shrooms. They do taste, when you just eat them straight, they are very rough. They're very tough, almost like a stick that doesn't give. And they do actually taste much like ass. They taste worse than ass. I have had both ass and mushrooms in my mouth. And if I had to give one a worse taste, it would be mushrooms. Jesus. Yeah, eating ass ain't that bad. Eat ass, save grass. I don't know. But uh, shrooms... I, uh, I've always had good experiences with them, really. I haven't taken huge doses, so it was minor visuals and uh, that, that hallucinogenic feeling of like almost pure emotion yeah. is the only way I could describe it. Uh, but the best time I ever had on them, I took two or two and a half grams of shrooms and I walked on a trail. And like as I, I walked for probably three hours, and then I went into a mall. And as I was walking on the trail, I, like I started to feel sick. My stomach was churning. I was in pain. And then everything just opened up. And I was like in this beautiful, ancient place. And I could see, not really, but like mm. I was imagining like the, the thousands of years of people hiking over this land and living this land and hunting and gathering and running through the forests. 
and I would see people walking at me and their face would do funny things and I would laugh at them, which I feel bad now because <laughs> like now I realize that there were just a bunch of old people and I was just walking past them and I would just look at them and start laughing, which is rude. But <laughs> I felt love and I felt peace and everything was in harmony. Everything was very beautiful and uh, it, it was great. And then I went into the mall. I think I texted a bunch of people. I was like, hey, man, I love you. You're my best friend. <laughs> I love you, man. I, I did that a lot. I went into a mall. I just kind of roamed around high out of my mind. <laughs> and then and then I came down. It was very nice. But I've probably done it less than... I've probably done it anywhere between five and ten times. I wasn't a huge shroom guy. Hmm. But they were... When I did do them, they were phenomenal. You seem like a big shroom guy. <laughs> I, w I would have liked to be. But real quick, just with shrooms, I want to give it a quick 1 out of 10 like we did with the other drugs. I give them a 7 out of 10. The taste brings it down to a 7. But they are phenomenal in small uses every blue moon. Anyways. So Hawaiian wood rose seeds. I mean, I really don't even know that much about them <laughs> other than that. They're like a mild hallucinogen, I suppose. Wood rose, Hawaiian wood rose seed from a plant called elephant creeper. Hawaiian baby wood rose seeds, that's what it is. It's used for pain relief as a and as a hallucinogen. And it's promoted as a natural LSD. And for how it works, it says that there's not enough info out there to know how they work. But... There's some chemical in it that activates part of the brain. That's real. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I know. There is some chemical that activates parts of the brain. That really helps me out. Are they legal? Well, yeah, maybe. You can sort of get them. <clears throat> but it's just uh, uh, to see them again there. I haven't seen them in a long, long time. But looking at them makes me nauseous. Makes oh. me sick. But yeah, the Woodrose Seeds... I don't know. Maybe it's like peyote or something where it makes you sick as fuck. I feel like the woodrose seeds make you feel hollow. They make you feel nauseous and empty and sickly. That sounds great. But you're like loose and just like free flowing. Is it almost an out of body experience? No, it's not. I don't really think there were any visuals any of the times I did it. Maybe three or four times. And how many would you take? I have no idea. <laughs> like one... I don't know. Ten. No, I have no idea. Ten, yeah, at least probably. Maybe, maybe before it was less. I don't know. But you just kind of felt hollow. Yeah, I, they're really hard. So you had to like. I tried grinding them up. I would try crushing them. Um, I remember at one point. Yeah, I don't think I've mentioned his name on the podcast. Uh, but his name's Mark Twain, and he, I let him live with me for several years. Several years. Yeah. Okay. Like two years, I would say at least. And at one point, he and I were in the same boat. Like, we were both lazy, pothead pieces of shit who I've just smoked all day and lived in a crack house, just like you did it. Not an actual crack house. No, not literally, but, but as, the close, visual of it. as close to it as possible. And we were basically crackheads, but with weed. And eventually, when I got my shit together, I was trying to help him do the same thing. And I was hoping that he was a, he would be able to pick up on my example and follow that because it was just objectively obvious which path was better for his life. But for some reason, he just wasn't capable of doing that. And he just wanted everyone to pay for everything for him. 
and have no responsibilities and just get free drugs and get fucked up all the time. And anyway, I was going to mention him. So I just want to give some backstory on who Mark Twain yeah. is. And me and him, I just remembered this with the Woodrose Seeds. At one point, there was like a quart jug for Kool-Aid in our refrigerator because we would make the drink mix. Mm -hmm. So we had cheap, lot of liquid because we'd be sitting there all day playing Grand Theft Auto and smoking weed. <clears throat> and I remember that that fucking jug of grape Kool-Aid Hawaiian baby Woodrose Seeds soaked liquid. Which we had filled the bottom. Wait, so you put the Woodrow seeds in liquid. with the Kool-Aid? Kool yeah, in the okay. liquid. You could, you wouldn't really want to eat them plain. Um, and so you would put them in liquid. So we would do orange juice also. But this one, we, we didn't want to do orange juice. I don't know why. But it was, I I, I definitely remember the orange juice ones. Because I remember drinking them out of the little shitty silver Walmart chalices that we had. And just the, the taste of the like... The oxidizing stainless steel metal mixing with the acidic orange juice and Hawaiian Woodrose seed taste. Not great. I just remember that. It was horrible. But no, this was grape Kool-Aid in a big jug. And I just remember it sitting there. It sat there for... Jeez. Like, and event, uh, like eventually I remember neither of us wanted to touch it anymore. We were just, we were just like, fuck. Every time Why we, would you leave it so Every long? time we drink them, we're like... We were trying to get through it. Oh, okay. We didn't want to throw it away. But we didn't want to finish them because we were like, it sucks. We we're like, this, we can't do these. And then I think I just finally convinced him to finish them all. Like, I'd be like, here, you. I was like, finish the wood rose. I was like, go drink the wood rose seeds. I was like, get the rest, finish them. I was like, I don't want them. He's like, you do it. And I'd be like, no, I don't want them. I hate them. So he did it? He drank them? Yeah, I think he did it. But he hated them still. But he needed to get fucked up, like I said. So he would, he ended up doing it. And did anything funny happen? No. What was the point of this story? Everyone just felt like shit from the from the from the fucking seeds. Oh, well. The point was just the fucking memory of the fucking purple pitcher of Woodrose juice that sat there for so long, and the the dread that was associated with it every time we opened the refrigerator, like, oh god, there they are, glaring us in the face once again. They sound terrible. They they weren't great. They caused my other friend at the time. Um, got really bad into the seeds there for a while too and he was already probably like really fucked up on other hallucinogens that had already messed him up and among other things and he ended up taking so many seeds one night that he like broke his tv and like punched holes in his walls and like flipped his couch over and like trashed his whole fucking house and was never the same after that what do you mean never the same i don't know it was like he became like some sort of Buddhist monk or something. <laughs> oh? Yeah, he was like a prophet after that. Like, But was there like a personality change that day? I don't remember if it was like direct. Um, it's very so blurry it's like, now. But I, yeah, there was definitely a personality change. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, if, you had to, if you had to rate your good old Woodrow seeds, one out of ten... Um, a two. Great scores. Maybe a one. Ugh, okay. So you wouldn't suggest trying it for any reason? Mm-mm. Now, what about canna? You know what canna is? I know what cannabis is. Nope, canna. I think it's K-A-N-N-A. It's called canna extract. I do not know about this. Have you tried it? Mm-hmm. Plenty of times. It's a very, it's almost like keef. And you can either smoke it by itself, it tastes like shit, or you can top mix it in with wheat. And I don't really know if it does anything, but 
I remember if you let it sit too long, it gets so sticky that it's like glue. Even though it's a powder, it'll become so sticky, it'll just stick yeah. to your hands. I don't know what causes, maybe it's humidity, makes it become sticky like that. But when it's sticky, if you burn it, it's like the worst resin to clean ever. Oh. Um, but it's like light green. It's literally just like... Looks just like Keith. Yeah. Okay, so I guess canna is like supposed to be to fight negative effects of stress and anxiety um, and to assist in other cognitive functions. Um, and there's like other things. There's canna supplements and too. And canna, I would rate it either. maybe... How like, would you rate that one? One out of ten. Uh, four or five. It's fine. Four or five. Yeah. You wouldn't really go out of your way to do it, but if no, presented, no. maybe. Yeah, yeah. I would it. if it was presented to me again, I would totally try smoking a bowl of it or okay. try try putting it in some weed and see if it can enhance it. I think that's what we really wanted it to be was a weed enhancer instead of like a standalone thing. We wouldn't gotcha. want to smoke it by itself, but just cap it off or mix it in a little bit, and maybe it could help enhance it or something. That's about that's about what we were hoping for. But yeah. Um, Four or five? Did we already rate it? Uh, no, not Canna. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's okay. Like, I, w- I would definitely try it again for sure. Or wait, yeah, we did. You said four or five. Okay, cool. Same rating then. Because you did not give Woodrow seeds a four or five. No, of course not. You gave those a two. Okay, and now it's four. This is this is the big one. Yep, we've both done it. I have a lot to say about it. Oh yeah, and it's a lot of negatives, but LSD. So uh, you've had less experiences with LSD, I, I think. Just one. You've had one? Oh, I wish. Maybe I had two. I think I did have two. Two? But the first one was totally different. Well, tell us about that. Tell us about your first LSD experience. Yeah, yeah. So I think I had some sort of like synthetic acid. And it was, uh, I did it with someone who was an experienced acid user. And they said it was really strong shit. And it definitely was. But I... Remember, I, at that time, my room at the crack house was, like, had a bunch of, like, trippy posters all over it. Had a bunch of black light posters, and I had black lights in there. And I remember taking it. I remember very little, obviously. But I do remember sitting in my chair and hitting my bong a lot. And I don't even know necessarily if there was weed in the bong. I don't... I don't I'm sure there was. Maybe. Because I don't remember packing it. And I don't remember, I remember like thinking like, am I even hitting it? I was just like, and I was like, am I even breathing in? I just remember I was like thinking like, did I inhale anything? You were pretty fucked up then. Yeah, I just remember not knowing if I was actually smoking the bong. But I was definitely holding it. And I might have had a lighter. You were definitely fucked up. I don't know if, I don't even know if I had a lighter. I mean, just, who knows? I remember that much. Just the disorientation of the bong. And it was just, like, endless. I was just like, how? I, I feel like I probably sat there and hit a dead bong for three hours. <laughs> I, yeah, that's honestly what I feel like I, what happened. And I remember I tried to play Grand Theft Auto. How was that? I sucked at that time. I was, I don't think I wasn't playing online then. I was only playing story mode oh, still. Okay. That was at the first part of my Grand Theft Auto addiction phase, which I'm just going to touch on that because that is purely drug-induced right there. I just want to talk about the, the correlation with my drug usage and certain habits like that. Because I think that's an, that's an important tangent here with the negative effects of drugs. And all of these were connected in this time. So all the worst ones were at the same time. Coincidentally, same the worst time. So I don't think it's a coincidence. Um, 
I would literally play. Okay, I didn't play games really ever my whole life, basically. Was never really a gamer. And when I finally got an Xbox, I got GTA and didn't play it. But I had seen like YouTubers play it some. And I remember one day I decided to open the game. I was like, let's just start the story. Let's see how this goes. What's, what's up with this game? And I opened the story mode and I played for 18 hours straight. And I was like, holy shit. Did you shit. finish the game? No. I was like, this is fucking awesome. I was like, this is the best shit I've ever played. I woke up the next day. I played 18 hours again. And I was like, oh my fucking God. And probably for like a week or two, three weeks, four weeks, God knows how long. I just played. And I played the whole story mode. I got 100% completion on the story mode. Every side quest. Every single weapon. Within a month? I would say so, yeah. I played all day. Yeah. Literally all day. That's all I focused on. And so I just smoked weed and beat the shit out of the story mode. And when I got sick of the story mode, I found, I found out about cheat codes. I started playing with cheat codes in the story mode. Started jumping like a thousand miles in the air and fucking all that shit. In, like exploding bullets on miniguns. <laughs> it's funny. But then I got bored with that. And then I found online. That, I, pro- I had probably had 40 or 50 days worth played on story. And then I found online, which was a whole new level of addiction. That is a drug to me right there. Grand Theft Auto Online. That has fucked up my life in a lot of ways and wasted a lot of time. I think my grand total for Grand Theft Auto 5 Online is like 220 days played. It's almost a full calendar year of my life. Yeah, and you're not that old. I wish it was a full calendar year, truthfully. Four, if it was, it'd be about, what, 4% of your entire existence? Yeah. It not being a full year feels kind of half-assed. Well, get back on it. I know. I could always do it. Get back. I should have started streaming with that. But anyway, GTA. I would sit there and smoke weed literally all fucking day. I would sleep barely any, like I do now. But I would sleep the same amount, almost none at all, four or five hours, and then I would get up and play that game all fucking day. That was the best manic phase I've ever had in my entire life. Where I remember it was probably months of just every day waking up and just playing Grand Theft Auto the entire day. But when you put it on on acid, it was not great. No, no. And that was when I just began story mode too. But I remember looking at Mark Twain during that when I was doing acid there, trying to play GTA. And I just, he was talking or something. He He had taken some too. And I remember I looked at him and I was like, shut up. He was pissing me off. He was just talking. He was, he was annoying me. I was like, I shut up, silence. And he, he kept, he said something else. And I looked at him again and I was like, shut the fuck up. Jesus. All I can see is your smile. I would not have liked to trip with you back in the day. No, he was annoying. Yeah, but no one wants to hear that when you're tripping balls. Because <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> that probably, he probably reassessed his entire life after that. I hope so. Well, obviously, obviously not hard enough. Uh, so if you had to rate it one out of ten from that experience, eight or nine, yeah, it's it was pretty good. great. But, not, so why haven't you done it since? I dislike the lack of control. There is a lot of lack of control. I don't like that. I don't like being the one that's fucked up. And you were definitely fucked up. Yeah, yeah. And it was fine at that time, but ever since, I don't think my headspace has been in a right enough place. Not with the not with the knowledge I have now. I would like to see you 
tripping. I feel balls. like if I trip now, I would inevitably psych myself out and give myself a bad trip. Probably. It's almost 100% certain. I would love to see it. When I can finally say I'm fulfilled and You'll do not GMT. entirely miserable and I'm in a good headspace one day, then I'll be able to do it for sure. So I have uh, I have ex- similar experience in the beginning of my acid days. I've probably done it 30 times or more, 20 to 30, <laughs> which doesn't sound like a lot of times to do something, but that is quite a lot to do acid, I would say, because this was only in like a year span. And you got to think 12 months. If I did it, let's just say 24 times, that's twice a month for a, a year, which is a decent amount. Yeah. Because there's also a come down period with it where, like, you don't want to take it within the same week. Yeah, we didn't talk about the come down on acid. We'll get You there. should touch on that. Well, there's there's also, like, the week after you're not supposed to take more acid because the serotonin in your brain is... I, don't, I haven't looked this up, but, like, you're drained of chemicals. Yeah. So it's not as crazy an experience. But my first trip, and I will say this wholeheartedly, this is do not go out and do acid because of this. But it fully cured my depression instantaneously. I was ridiculously depressed. It was the worst time of my life. I was with two friends in a basement. I did three tabs. First time ever doing it. Yeah. I took one. I waited three hours. Took another. Waited three hours. Took another. And that's because the the peak of it for me at the time was three hours in. Or sorry. So I would take it two hours after. Yeah. An hour before the peak, I would take another. So that while I was peaking, it would come down a little bit. And by the time it came down just enough, it would shoot back up to a new high. I did that three times the first time I ever did acid. I remember looking at a poster of these sunflowers and they got really big. And then there was like an army of them. And the only words I could describe, the only words that could convey how I felt in that moment was the following. The sunflowers just ate my soul. Like that, I just kept repeating that sentence. The sunflowers are eating my soul. The sunflowers are taking my soul. I just kept saying it. And then I looked in a mirror and I could see like shadows of me on either side going back. And I was like, these are the aliens controlling my life. Like I'm just an experiment. They are the GTA players. I am the character. (laughs) But... I was very depressed before and afterwards I was nothing but happy. Like I was very much happy, no depressive thoughts, nothing. So that was a great thing about it. But by the time I stopped doing it, it really fucked me up. Mm -hmm. I do not think I am the same person I was before, uh, which is a scary thing to think about. I every once in 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 what way? I feel le- less connected to reality. And that's a scary thing to not be connected to. And it also comes in waves. Uh, like there's something called CPBD, which is persistent um, hallucinogenic feeling. And I kind of feel like I have that. I don't see the visuals, but I'll get that hallucinogenic feeling that I'm losing control. And I think I'm just going to like black out and go insane and never wake up again. Do you get floaters? What are floaters? The visual things? I don't think so. Oh. I, I did it a lot, 
and I did have a few visuals, but I never had crazy visuals or anything. Uh, one of the funniest things I did see was I did it with someone we worked with. We'll call him Shapiro because I saw him watching Ben Shapiro one day. Um, and I did see his head turn into uh, Theodore from Alvin and the Chipmunks. Like it inflated <laughs> and just matched the proportions. And it was <laughs> really funny. I couldn't like I and I told him I told he was tripping as well and I looked at him I said you look like Theodore from Alvin and the Chipmunks and then I just howled laughing for about <laughs> four minutes um but I do feel less connected to reality I feel like I could lose control and it comes in waves I have like flashbacks almost so what do you feeling. mean you could lose control like I could black out and never wake up like my body would just take control but the conscious me would not be here. But how would you black out? Like I get really bad anxiety and I feel like like I'll, my, I'll just lose it. Like I'll just lose my mind. But you know you won't. I hope I won't. I know it's prob very probable I won't. I mean, yeah, because on on what scientific evidence do you have to to fear that? Well, a lot of people have gone. I mean, not a lot, but you you've seen fucked up people on that mm -hmm. alpha acid. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm afraid that might happen. I don't want to be a crazy person. I think that that's like a direct result right after. Sometimes. I think you're far enough out. I hope. I hope I'm fine by now. I think I, I, I know I am because it has been about two years or maybe a year and a half. Um, and in order for you to say you don't feel connected to reality, I want to bring in this into some philosophy here. Define reality. I don't know. W what is it to you? <sighs> The reality I'm speaking about in regards to, to this LSD topic, yeah. would be co-mingling with the other people also experiencing reality and experiencing it in a similar way to them. More clarification. So I feel like there's a very normal set of human emotion towards certain things. Mm -hmm. And I used to be very connected. Like I'd go out, I'd watch sunsets with people and I would like get it. Or, yeah, you know, I think it was easier to connect with people on certain levels. So you're saying you can't appreciate the beauty in a sunset now? I, as a dumb example, yet like, I don't know how I would explain it. Because one thing is hallucinogens are very inexplainable. Try explaining. You're doing fine. Um, I can appreciate the beauty in a sunset, but it, it, I have to be in a certain mind space for it. I used to do it anytime. If, you, if I was on a, like a bad day and you're like, hey, look at the sunset, I'd be like, you go fuck yourself. It's orange. Good job. Ooh, you like the color orange? Look at you. Aren't you a fucking You don't like Einstein? the canvas that God painted for you there? I'm colorblind. I can't even see it, motherfucker. Well, you know who to thank for that, too. My mom's dad. God. Um, my mom's he created dad. you. My mom's dad. He's your creator. My mom's dad. God's your creator. I'm glad you're finally becoming Christian. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're finally coming down this road. Have you been reading more of the Bible? Yeah, every day. Every day? Yep. What chapter are you on? Which chapter three. A, a, a book? <laughs> the Origin of Species. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, just, I also feel less connected to people. I kind of just feel like... A psychopath. Uh, uh, no, like autistic. Like, I just feel... Like, I act different, very socially awkward. I don't know how to connect with people unless I just... 
it, it takes an, a weird connection for me to connect with someone. I don't know. I just feel like it fucked up my head. I, it's definitely driven my anxiety higher than it's ever been ever because I've felt like I've been having heart attacks. I, I like there was one time I smoked weed, and I re, I say this is the fault of LSD. But I smoked weed and I thought I got so high, I walked around praying to God that he wouldn't give me a heart attack at midnight in a trailer park. Which is probably one of... It's a pretty it, low point. That was a pretty low point. Talking to your imaginary friend and <laughs> being like, please don't let my actions kill me. <laughs> I smoked weed, okay? I didn't think it was possible. I have had plenty of times smoking weed and thinking if I was going to have a heart attack. Exactly. But we didn't. But I've also seen people do some scary things on acid. Yeah. Like, uh, like Kat knew someone at RU who, that Louisa girl, who took a bunch of acid and then stabbed oh, her yeah. best friend to death. I haven't seen anything like that. But I have seen someone, you can get in something called a loop. And being told you're in a loop is really scary. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you don't know. You're not aware. And what a loop is, is like you keep doing the same actions mm -hmm. over and over and you don't know that you're doing the same things. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I, I want to come back to reality. Okay. What, uh, keep, keep defining reality for me. What, what do you I don't mean? Know. What do you I think mean I got more? it out. That, I don't know. I have no more on. No, I just want to hear more. I don't have any more. I like I it. I don't I know. You're doing good. I'm getting back to, to what I was just saying. Okay. Wait, I, wait, wait. I don't have anything. With wait, reality. wait. So, when you say you feel less connected with reality, you're saying that you feel less connected with other people's emotional responses to things? Other people in general. What I, do you mean? Like a psychopath? Is it like that's what I'm interpreting this as? Not like a psychopath, no. You're making you're making it seem like you've drifted closer to me in this. No. Like I more like I have in a different set of emotions than most people. Okay, so tell me those emotions. Describe that. Only humor. You don't get sad? Almost never. You don't get angry? Almost never. Yeah. You've seen me angry maybe twice. Yeah. In, in like two years. My only real emotion that ever shows is, is humor. Is that an emotion or is I, it happiness? I think it's an em emotion. Because I wouldn't say I'm always happy. Like, even when I thought I was getting evicted the other day, like, I just kept laughing about it <laughs> while having a mental breakdown. But I wouldn't consider myself sad in the least. Like, I wasn't sad. I wasn't upset. I wasn't mad. I was stressed. I was stressed and laughing. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. But I, I just feel like I experience things different than most people. And I have a different reaction to most things. And it's hard for me to connect with people on, on a basis. And then there's also the times I feel like where I'm just going insane. And then everything's just going to cut to black. And then my body's going to keep living. And the idea of my body living without me consciously being in it is one of my biggest fears. Because <laughs> I know that would hurt my parents because I'd probably do some crazy shit. And then my parents would be sad and I don't want to make my parents Hmm. A lot of the anxiety in my life comes from me imagining I would hurt other people, like my family. Hmm. Physically? Mentally. Like, if uh, but I, you can't be held responsible for that. Well, I don't care. Like, if I did something 
horrible. Like I murdered people and then I went to jail and my parents. But like, what if you did something that's just you being true to you? I, well, if it's not good, no. Like if I ended up murdering people, no. So let's say I ended up murdering people and then my parents' only son, the only offspring they ever had is now a murderer in jail who will never have kids. Like that kills me because I know they would be depressed and my parents would both die depressed. Yeah, but more than likely. But you also apply that to the smaller things too. Like what? Like Christianity. Yes. So all the things that you do that are not in line with that, which is almost everything. How? What? Di what differentiates those actions when when your reasoning for them not knowing also is that it would make them sad as well? What do you mean? What do you mean? Like, well, see, these things are true expressions of yourself. Like, like it's who you actually are. All of it is you. The things you say, the things you think, that's you. Yes. And they would be very disappointed if they heard all of those things. Probably The truest expressions of you they would hate the most. Just like my family. I wouldn't say that. I think they would. I think they would be the parts of you that they would like the least. Well, a lot of the things I say on here aren't necessarily true expressions of myself. Well, yeah. It's what I find the funniest. That's a true expression of yourself. Yes, me trying to find humor and everything. I think my dad would roll his eyes at it, but I don't think he'd hate it. I think my mom might love it. I think there's a lot of things I've been that my, they would hate. I've, well, I've been myself around my mom a lot. Like, fully myself. And it's great. I love it. My dad's The a same way you would be here. Not the same way I'd be here. but Not I act, truly yourself, no. then. Well, I act different around every everyone. Every single person I act different around. So do I. Yes. That's a psychopathic trait. But <laughs> I'm not a psycho. Try, stop trying to convince I'm me. I'm not trying to convince you. I'm trying to present you with a logical case that you have antisocial personality disorder now. <laughs> I, I definitely act different around every single person, but I'm still myself in every situation. Yeah. Except with your family. No, including with my family. I'd say less with like my grandparents. Uncles. Let's look at it this way. But like, if you group everyone else that you hang out with or interact with, and then your family, they have a different set of interaction than everyone else that you would hang out with. Everyone has a different interaction than everyone else. Now I'm saying that you would interact much closer to the same with everyone else, and then I think you would tone it down for your family. I wouldn't say that. I think it you depends would. on the groups I'm hanging with. It really depends. There's well, some... yeah, but I think that generally it's going to be way more toned down with your family, which is why you don't like tell them, hey, go listen to the podcast. <laughs> you said they were never going to know about the podcast. They never In will. In fact, they're separated from it completely. And so what differentiates that reason from the first one? And and should you be willing to do it for that situation? But what do you mean? Like, whatever the first example was, where, like, should you be willing to not be true to who you actually are? Like, to suppress the things that you actually think or feel or want to think or say around them just because of their feelings? Because that's on them. But I don't. It's just how I act around them. Yeah. yeah. Like, when I'm around them, I don't try not to curse. It just I just don't curse. Like, it's an immediate reaction upon just being around them. Yeah, and I, and I think that that's not a good thing. I, think, I disagree. Because that's how it is for me, too. But I know it's not natural. It's not like I want to do that. My natural yeah, response Yeah, but I don't not be, want to do it either. My, well, my natural response would be to say the thing I want to say. And if I have to filter that for any reason... But I don't feel like I'm filtering it. I'm not filtering. Like, that's just when I'm around them. Like, my entire thought process is just different. It's like that with everyone. It's like indoctrination, around, though. I think. When I'm around you, my entire thought process is different than when I'm around Nate. 
when I'm around Nate, my entire thought process is different than when I'm around. Well, my entire, I, I act very similar towards everyone at work there. And that's someone I work with. So there's like my interactions with you, with, with Nate and work, with my past works. Like I've acted very different per each job I've had. I act very different here than I used to at Dice. I, like every re interaction, I, I act very different when I go out to Salsa Night with with Tyler. Yeah, well, what I'm arguing is that the core aspect of who you are, why why would it automatically change? You, what I'm saying is it changes. Per it person. Cha no, no, no. But not I'm just saying that the things that you would say around everyone else that you associate with, and you would not care about their opinions on it because it's just their dumb opinion. And if they're offended by something that you do, that is just you being you, then they can get fucked. So uh, what I'm asking is, why does it change with them? Because why parents. should you? Why should you not be true to yourself? But just because someone else. I'm just just listen to the question. Okay. Why should should you not be true to yourself? We just did the episode on being true to yourself. That was the one right before this. So should you not be true to yourself just to just to appease someone else's opinion that you disagree with? And not only do you just disagree with it, they are just wrong. They're just blatantly wrong and foolish in their beliefs. It's it's to that point. So it's like, should you really have to even feel like you should change yourself? Not you even specifically, necessarily. It could be. But is that right? Like, should you even? Well, since we're talking about me right now, I'm taking it this as me. But based in this question, I feel like the presumption that I'm changing myself in front of them, I don't have that. Like, I'm not. That is who I am around them. But it's not because no, you won't show a, the no, show to them. No, it because is you're a ashamed part of, of me. you're ashamed of something that they will hear. No, they it's will a, hear something no, that they don't want to hear. That is you. No, it the way I am around them is one of the parts of me. Well, yeah, I am never one hundred percent me around every anyone. Like there are certain aspects of me that each person uniquely gets. I think I'm one hundred percent me all the time. That's what I'm striving for. I have never been one hundred percent me anywhere it's like i've said where i'm i'm honing all the pieces that have never actually been me and creating a consistent image across everything because i know what that end outcome is and that's what i'm striving for because i do i have had different personality sets amongst different people and i'm like i dislike this because then when those groups get together i don't know how to act i get like that very much that is called self-awareness that's called realizing this is not beneficial to me it's detrimental. I need to create the, I need to hone the pieces of myself that are not truly me and catering to people's stupid ass opinions, whether they're friends or family is not being true to yourself. Here's my argument. Even if you aren't realizing it. Here's my argument. Because we grew up very similarly. So we, I think it's a similar sentiment for the reason why we would suddenly, I don't think about not swearing in front of my family. It just doesn't happen. But I'm getting to a point because I'm honing away aspects that are not true to myself. Not swearing is not being true to myself. I will swear whenever the fuck I want to, and that is a core aspect of who I am. Not only is it an arbitrary rule, which we've discussed. Well, let me get on that real quick because yeah. we talked about the arbitrary rule, and I said there's two paths to take. Either you don't talk to the, that person, because I was talking about the chick at work. Mm -hmm. You either don't talk to them, or you value the relationship you have with them enough that you respect their arbitrary rules. And mm -hmm. that is what I would say I have with my parents. I, I, I have not had a negative moment around my parents in over 10 years. I hate to say this, 
but that's the least satanic thing you've ever said. Good. Because Satanists do not respect arbitrary rules. They, I will if I respect the... the and I said this that... There that is same no day. arbitrary rule that can ever deserve respect, even if you respect the person. They should be blatantly and ruthlessly called out on their support of something that has no basis in reality. Like, they should be informed of it that you disagree. That's what oh, I I've say. told them I've di I don't agree with their... Like, I've told my... I've talked to my parents about swearing and asked them about, like, but why is it a bad thing at a very young age when I was maybe 13 or 14? Yeah. Like, we had a whole conversation. I was like, I just don't see why it's bad. And they didn't really have any reasons because there's no reasons for them. Yeah. Um, but I still don't curse in front of them. They know how I feel about it. They don't know that I curse on a regular basis. But they know how I feel. I think it's stupid, the whole cursing's wrong thing. Yeah. Um, but okay. I love the relation. I love the relationship I have with my parents to such an extent that I'm not going to throw that in there to make anything less than what the relationship currently is because I I really do love it. Here's the thing: it wouldn't be you lessening it. It would be them not accepting who their son is. So if you're if you're not filtering anything out around them, if you're not changing something that is who you are around everyone else, because I've never. There's core aspects of you that I see consistent no matter who you hang out with. And I'm sure they that it would change suddenly and drastically around them as opposed to... Who have you seen me hang out with? And I'm sure the way you interact with anyone at work or anyone I've seen you interact with is very different than how it would be with them. So if you're not changing anything that, that you would consider to be intrinsic to yourself, why can't they know about this show? What on this show is... I curse way more. You talk about Satan. We don't always talk about Satan. <laughs> it's in the name. No, it's not. The devil's advocate is a phrase in we have, debating. We have a th two or three part series on Satanism. Yeah, we can talk about that. No, I I don't. We're want, objective, rational philosophers. I here. don't want them to hear me cursing. I don't want them hearing about my, my how would you say, uh, escalades with women. I don't want them to know that I've done drugs. That's true to yourself. I, All of those I things. I wish it wasn't. Yeah, see? Well, so I wouldn't say the drugs are. The, the drugs. women are. So we have proven that you do filter out things that are very much you. But I don't like those parts of me, and I want them to know the best parts of me because I love them. You should be honest. They should know. I don't you, know. The real you. They know, they know the real me. We just established that they don't. They do. My parents know me. I know more. I, I know the more of the real you than they do. You know more twenty-one-year-old Alex than they know twenty-one-year-old Alex, but they know Alex as a whole better than you know Alex as a whole. Like my life growing up, my aspirations, what I used to think, what I currently think for the most part, which is all different than what you used to think. So they don't actually know you now, which is all that they matters. They do know me, not anymore. Yeah, I could have full conversations with them. I it's like my family, like they. They would, know, they would know all the shit about my life, too. But they don't actually know me. My parents, they know me. I don't I, think they do. Every time I talk to them on the phone, I talk to them for like an hour and a half. You can't put on a facade for an hour and a half. At least I can't. I can't put on a facade at all. I can simply <sighs> release parts of me that I know someone will enjoy, hmm. which I do 24-7. To an extent. To an extent. They're all parts of me. They're all parts of me true to myself. It's almost like 
like adjusting music, like the bass, the mids, the treble, everything. Like I, I go to certain people and I'm like, you get some more treble and I'll dial back the bass and you get a good amount of mids. And then other people, I'm like, you get a lot of bass, you get a little treble and you get a little mid. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's not a good example for audio because that's the only three words I know connected to audio. But and I could see the pain in your eyes from that. Yeah, it was a painful layman's description. And when I talk about adjusting music, I mean adjusting music in my car. <laughs> that's the only time I play with music. But back to LSD. No, I'm just, uh, I can't get over that. That's what? That's rough. What, the music? No, the arbitrary rules thing. I said that when we were talking about that woman. You have two courses of action. You either respect the arbitrary rule for them, to them, because you enjoy them being in your life, because you find benefits. Which I think is okay, until it causes you to have to pretend like you're something you're not. But I don't pretend I'm something I'm not. If you can't tell them well, about me, every aspect of your life, then you're pretending to be something you're not. I don't tell anyone every aspect of my life. If you're hiding, you tell enough. <laughs> no. They don't. But there's some pretty big aspects of your life <laughs> that they're pretty much completely in the dark on. They probably know I'm, I am I sleep around a little bit. I don't want them to, and I will never expose that to them directly, ever. But, you know, my dad was a whore when he was young. I know he was. Yeah, I just think it's... Uh, and my mom was a bartender, so I, I mean... It I just think it's a it bad is. argument that that they would know you more just because they raised you doesn't mean that they actually know you. Yeah, but I never. I was especially never if fake especially if you already know that they would disapprove of things that are you, good yeah, or bad. Yeah, but most of the things they would disapprove about me currently, I would also disapprove about myself. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Name some sleeping around, doing drugs. Uh, being a slight alcoholic, being addicted to nicotine, not working out as much, not having clear goals and aspirations for the future. Yeah, so you just need to define clear goals for yourself then and then work towards those. Have them be the end outcomes. You got to find the shit that makes you happy and then go for that. Um, but going back to how we got to this whole topic with the reality not being connected to the mm -hmm. relationships. Was that how we got to this? Yeah, yeah. We went down a little rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, which is fine. Um, the I just find that interesting because um, I kind of relate to it also, like with with what you said, like how you don't really think you're like emotionally operating on the same spectrum. Yeah. And do you think that's a positive benefit? Like, do you think it helps you to, to only have humor? I think it's both. I think I'm definitely happier than most people, but I also see it as a negative because it's harder for me to connect with more people. And I think it's very important to connect with people. Uh -huh. So I think, see, I think this whole tangent into philosophy here is not only a good indicator of what I think we both want the show to be in the future going forward with art and philosophy topics, but I think it's a good indicator of the main problem with why you don't have clear goals because you're incapable of feeling anything else other than happy and therefore you're just content with a mediocre basically pathetic life yeah and 
you admit that it is those things. Oh, yeah. And the things that you hold like most dear are the people that do the things I'm trying to like coach you into doing. Yes. And so just focus on that. Yeah, but I'm, I'm so happy. Like you're, you're, you're self-aware enough to know that your happiness is basically fake because it's what not you... fake. Well, it is because you know you're just content because of you not being able to feel other things. If you're self-aware enough to have analyzed it to the point that you're able to specifically pinpoint which emotions you do and don't feel, and not only that, but also arrive at the conclusion, which you just told me, that it makes you content and not want to do anything. And then somehow, though, you made all those connections, but then you didn't automatically connect the I don't have clear goals and aspirations thing to the I'm just content because I don't have any other feelings. But it, maybe those not, two things are connected, but would you say? It's not fake happiness. It's not fake happiness. It, it's self-deluded happiness because if you're aware that it's potentially just a lack of emotion, like that's no, like me. It's, it's like it's more like I know that I have a pretty great life. Like on the spectrum of all of humanity. I have food whenever I want it. I have water whenever I want it. I have a nice warm home. I live in an area with people that I can laugh with. I hang with people. Now, I could see in 30 years it's getting very old, especially if a lot of the people move away and then I am left with no friends. Like that one chick we worked with who recently passed. Mm, yeah. You know, but it's not fake happiness. It's real happiness because I know I have it lucky. Like I'm one, I'm, I'm, I've no, a lot I don't, of I don't mean to say it's fake happy. Okay. I just mean like the self-deluding part of it. Because if you're capable of coming to that conclusion, then there's some like weight behind it. So you don't, you wouldn't just come to that conclusion like out of nowhere. I think I did come out of that, to that conclusion out of nowhere. No, it was from self-analysis. Well, yeah, but it was random. It was like at work. It doesn't matter. Self-analysis occurs 24-7. You're the only person that you have forever. So it's always going on. And when you notice things like that, that's just objective thinking it about just, yourself. It just clouds out the benefits of doing other things. What do you mean? I'm already happy. Why Why do things? You just dictated it because you just said in 30 years, you're like, I could oh, see this yeah. being boring. So it's planning to avoid that. True. Because it's easily avoidable by choosing not to be content in that moment. There's a lot of other time to be content, but it, it just... It only comes from, like, sacrifice at the beginning, I think. I also think it's, um, I think I could be content, or I could be happy in just about any situation. Like, yes, staying here in 30 years would be boring, but if you look at the spectrum of different jobs I could have, different places I could live over the next 30 years, I would say over 90% of any of them, from office job to comedian, like, I would be happy with all of them, with 90% of them. There'd be like 10% I'd really hate. And then the other 90%, I would just be happy. So it makes it harder for me to have concrete goals when I would have a maybe not equal, but similar level of happiness yeah. from a, a million different endpoints. Yeah, I don't even, I don't know what to tell you then because you have to be able to define your own goals first off. But I'm still young. I'm still very young. I have a long time to get this figured out. Yeah, this is true. But I do disagree because 
You should just start planning it out now. That way you're not stuck in the shittiest part of your life when you're the least physically capable and you have a lot more responsibilities and all the pressures built up on you. And then you decide to start changing things when it's way more difficult. I think what I need it's to gonna do... It's going to be a lot harder then. I think what I need to do is just go out and do a bunch of random shit until I really like one of them. Trial and error, baby. I guess. I mean... Like, I have a... I love comedy. I have a... What would you say? Not a fascination. A dream. But I wouldn't even call it a dream of being a comedian. But I, I don't know if I would actually enjoy being on stage telling jokes until I've already done it. Yeah. So that's something have another I need to format. do content creation that's true but i need to get out there in all these different mediums i and need can still to do live shows i need to try comedy once yeah and see if that would be a viable option for me to really try to get into instead of just looking at it from a, a nice perspective with hopeful wishes yeah but i need to anyway going back Th this can be comedy though this could be yeah this can be the type of thing that you're willing to do i was I was talking to you about starting a new podcast with, mm -hmm. with my other buddy from work that yep. would be a full-on comedy podcast. And, you know, we are released by TDA Productions, so yeah. looks like we got a podcast company. Uh, but We back, will sign your podcast. I'll sign we my will own manage podcast. It. We will create your marketing plan. We will generate all your graphics for you. We'll set up and manage your social media sites. TDA Productions, the podcast company. <laughs> But getting way back to the original, the the OG OG talk, LSD. Um, in the in the beginning, it cleared up my depression. I had a lot of fun on it. I saw a lot of crazy things. I think I was talk talking about loops earlier. I did see someone getting a really bad loop, and it was frightening because I just took a tab watching them because they took it like an hour before. They they keep sitting down, going outside, coming back in and watching TV in like intervals of thirty seconds for about fifteen minutes. Like they just kept doing it, and they didn't realize it. That was scary to watch. Um, it disconnected me from reality in the end. It gave me. I have a lingering feeling. I never came out of my. And what last do you trip. mean by reality? I'm just. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Here's another three-hour-long tangent. I mean, did you hate it? Like, what do you mean? Did you hate the tangent? Like, no, not at all. I like the tangent. Okay, but part of me does feel like I'm stuck in a trip. Like, I just never came out of it. Mm -hmm. I hate that trip. feeling. I hate that feeling, which has been proven not to be a thing, but you can fool yourself into believing it. Yeah, because it does open you to a new realm of feeling, mm -hmm. and I feel like once you enter that realm, you can. You lost all the other ones inside of it. Maybe. Yeah. Because it is a realm of pure emotion. So it seems like you need to go back. Locate uh, them. We're not going back to that realm, buddy. We're going back together, buddy. No. No, I am definitely not mentally stable enough to do. Never? I wouldn't. I would never say never. Okay. Never say never. Yeah. Eventually we should. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe if we can ever get to a good place. Yeah. But now I feel like I'll just go off the deep end and. Which, you know, you know, not yeah, not right now. Shoot up a hospital. But, you know, once you're uh, working on a podcast as your full-time job and you just do stuff like this to make all your income. Possibly. It'd be pretty fulfilling. But, uh, yeah, if I had to rate LSD 1 out of 10. Oh, the come down. Let's talk about the come down. Really yeah. Come down is pretty rough because yeah. it's like an in-between stage of tripping and not tripping. And you're sweating a lot. There's a lot of sweat. 
And your perception of time at that point is completely fucked. Perception of time is off. Four hours is 10 minutes and 10 minutes is four hours. You're sweating a lot. There's no comfortable setting of heat and or coolness. It is all uncomfortable. You kind of feel feverish. You cannot sleep, but you do not want to stay awake. You're tired, but it's like a, a sleep, but you're still aware of everything going on around you. Yep. I remember the first time I did it also, I took it, we took it late at night and it was still, it was early in the morning. The sun was just coming up when I went to sleep and it was really disorienting. And then the person that I was with at the time there forced me to cuddle them. What? Yeah. Male? No, it was a girl. Oh. We got together afterwards. <laughs> Hell yeah. Later on. But like, it was completely unwelcome cuddling. And we were both aware of that. As I was like, talked about it. I was like, I have zero interest in this. I really didn't. I had zero interest. And so, like, it was just a awful, I've had different awkward experience there. I've had sex on acid. It's one of the best. Really? Oh, it was phenomenal. Not as good as Molly, but <laughs> it was phenomenal. <laughs> um, I think I've had sex on every drug I've ever taken. Hmm. E except shrooms. Should tell your parents that. No, I've had sex on cocaine, Molly, LSD, cannabis, alcohol, I, not nicotine, but nicotine doesn't last long enough. That you've had every time you've had sex, you had sex on nicotine. What do you mean? I'm just kidding. I've uh, I've had it right after. <laughs> but if I had to rate it, I'd rate it a seven out of ten. However, be very careful with it. If you do try it, try it like once a year. Do it very, you mm. don't, I think it's once you make it a normal thing and get accustomed to that feeling, yeah. you can access that feeling in everyday life. And that feeling is not something you necessarily want in everyday life because it's, it's, it's indescribable, but it's not a functioning. You do not function on acid. No. Dysfunctional. Yeah, completely. If you've ever been around someone on acid when you're not, you think they're fucking idiots. They just, you're boiled down to such stew. Your brain is stew. <laughs> and there's, you know, possibilities of CPBD and going into and having flashbacks. It's a very scary thing. But if you just want to try it once, I'd say go for it. Just try your best not to make it a a ritualistic or habitual hab habitual thing. Yeah. But I know quite a few people that have gotten messed up by it. Fuck me up, yeah. <sighs> like but long, I think long term I'm, after I, yeah. I think I'm finally getting better because like the first few months when I quit weed it really fucked with me because I I would smoke a lot of weed while also tripping and then if you smoke enough weed you're almost in a hallucinogenic state yeah and I was smoking a lot of goddamn weed and but once I stopped, it really fucked with me because I didn't notice any difference between high me and not high me. And I think that put me into like panic mode for a few months. And then I'd get like flash. I, I call them flashbacks, but it's more like re-experiencing how you feel on a trip just out of nowhere in everyday life. And that can be very terrifying. And I, I've it, it used to be like every day. And now it's. Very few and far between. I do have some bad, rough nights every once in a while where I do feel like I'm actually going insane. But for the most part, I feel better. Mm. I do Good. want to talk to a therapist, though. Yeah, no, you probably should then. But 7 out of 10 at best. But if you're going to use it 
frequently zero out of ten. Yeah. Negative six out of ten. Don't do it. They can fuck you up. High rankings from both of us, though. Only if you're going to do it once. It's the highest ranking of all of them. That is true. <laughs> I don't think we scored weed alcohol. I'd give alcohol my highest rating. Really? Oh, I love alcohol. Jesus. The goods on alcohol are the best. I would give alcohol a three or a four. I would give it a nine out of ten. When I... Now, cherry fluff. Oh, I just mean the drunk Better, fluff. yeah. Oh. Mm -hmm. Like, when you're having a good time and you are, like, not drunk, but, like, almost drunk, it's the best. You you have energy. You're yeah. just being so in the moment. You're I do love friends. that, yeah. It's... And but it, it is, but it never lasts, and then but, it, and then what comes after is always not worth it. I disagree. I went drinking with my friends a few weeks ago. We had about twenty drinks. We went to three different bars, and did I vomit at the end of the night? Yes. Did I sleep for twelve hours the next day? Yes. Did I wake up with a horrible hangover and I had to go to Waffle House to eat terrible food because that was the only thing that would make me feel slightly better? Yes. Was it worth, was, were the four hours of absolute beauty and harmony worth it? It was one of the greatest moments I've had in years. One of, not the greatest, but one of. <sighs> Tom Segura and I was still better. Yeah. Ooh, and I wish I wasn't as drunk for that. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Yep. I cannot respect that at all. Respect what? Uh, that, that story. <laughs> uh oh. Uh, not the Tom Segura thing. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah. It was so worth the four hours. Nine out of ten. Weed, when it works for you, ten out of ten. Yeah. It's a great one when it when it works for you. Nicotine, fucking two out of ten. It's just addictive and makes you feel like shit. I don't know. Nicotine's going to be like a seven or eight for me. No, it's not. You've literally told me you feel like fucking shit every time you do it. Yeah, I do. But... I still love it. I we, know. It's a very, it's a love hate relationship. Hey, when has it ever made you feel good? Right now? No, it's not. Why? Well, yeah. While you're putting it in, mm -hmm. because you are giving in to the mm. addiction need. But mm. once the nicotine actually hits, you're gonna be like, oh, I feel like fucking shit. That is usually how it goes, yeah. almost every single time. But I think with that, we're wrapping up drug part two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have. Two more episodes left in this year. I don't know how much of this one's going to get cut for Patreon content. Um, a decent bit. But we have Dulce Daddy. Yep. This one is at two hours and 25 minutes. But I'd say 40 minutes will get cut. But yeah, we have two more episodes. And that's going to be the importance of new environments. Very important. Oh, yeah. And fitting because that is guess going to be the next to last episode before I move, basically. Yeah. Uh the, 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 one of the last ones that will be released, more than likely. Um, and then the last episode to cap off the season. Should we drop it? Let's drop it. Okay. Starting our, our own, own religion. religion. That's going to be a fun episode. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get drunk on that episode more than likely. Yeah, yeah. I well, think I, I will, we, too. If we, if we, I guess if we do it this month, I can't. So I might not be getting drunk on that episode. I might be. You can make an exception for that. I can make an exception. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be very fun. It's going to be not a bullshit episode, but it's going to be, I mean, it really caps off this entire, it's been a very religious season of ep 
of uh, podcasts. Yeah, yeah. It'll be our own religion yep. towards us. You can really see the inner workings of our mind. Mm-hmm. You're probably mm-hmm. going to be more serious about it. I'll probably be more humorous about it. Yeah, yeah. But that's our that's our jobs. That's the that's the dynamic we have. That's the roles we must play. And then we will be taking a hiatus between season one and two. Uh, season two will kick off January 1st. Yep. However... We are gonna have some beautiful little uh, little extra episodes that are a little random thrown in. Yep, uh, and some of those will be us. accessible to the public, and some will be exclusive to Patreon. Yes, there will be a lot more stuff rolling out with that first episode on the start of the new year, though, twenty twenty three. We won't cue you in, but yep. I'm sure we'll say it on. on Not that quite episode. yet, but. There'll be more details coming up all, I'll say all is over the place. <laughs> you'll you'll want to join our Patreon. We're going to mm-hmm. definitely have a lot of shit rolling out on that. And if you like our logo, you know, we might have some stuff rolling out yep. with yep. our logo on it. Yep. Possibly. Graphic designers, hit us up. Artists that just want to get their art out there. Yeah, so there's plenty of opportunities there. And last thing, I just want to shout out our Facebook group, which is like the community hub basically for the public. For the podcast, and that is the Devil's Advocate Clergy. Please join it. Yeah, Have go join fun. that. Share cool shit in there. Comment, please. Yeah, in, engage, interact with people, get a conversation started, talk about cool shit that's interesting. Don't talk about the weather. Don't talk about pussy shit that no one fucking cares about. Talk about interesting shit, shit that no one's told you before. Share shit that you actually enjoy in there. Like, get a conversation started. That's our hub for objective thinkers just remember there is no fucking swearing in it oh Only yeah no fucking swearing in our goddamn fucking podcast group Not it's a clean profanity free yes. zone and if you fucking swear you'll be kicked the fuck out and if you join our fucking group you should know that because it is our last fucking rule and we get pretty damn clear with it yep very specific but check that out check us out on instagram check us out on facebook uh, follow the devil's advocate everywhere you can. Yep. Uh, Support as much as possible. By the time once the first of the year rolls out, shit's gonna get real. And by the time this episode comes out, we will be all on uh, Christian Mingle as well. So look for our Christian Mingle profile. Oh yeah, we did get 100% votes for yes in yes. the podcast clergy group that we needed to make a Christian Mingle for the show. So yes. so we have as, to do it. as. As you asked for it, we will deliver. Christian so, Mingle, here we come. We are coming, and we're coming, <laughs> we're coming all we over are. you. <laughs> we're yeah. coming all over Christian Mingle. Oh, yeah. In the name of the Lord. Amen. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you enjoying this podcast? We fucking know you are. I'm sure they could enjoy it even more, though. <sighs> all right, you negative asshole. I'm sure our lovely audience could enjoy it more by checking out our Patreon page. Ah, yes. Well, look at you, solving problems. We've got multiple tiers to choose from, so there's not really any financial pressure. Thank you for that. And uh, whether it be early (laughs) access to episodes, bonus content, exclusive Patreon-only merch, or just listening to Ben and I ramble about the different types of orifices in the human body— our Patreon has a large variety of special content for very special people. Plenty of rambling. And don't forget, you rambling asshole, that that's far from all we're offering. We are creating video and audio comedy bits for TikTok and everything. Fuck TikTok. Fuck TikTok. Giving access to behind-the-scenes content and occasionally bringing on the coolest fucking guests ever. 
amongst many other things. To check all of this out, go to patreon.com slash the real devil's advocate podcast. Again, that is patreon.com slash the real devil's advocate podcast. And maybe, Ben, if you weren't such a disgusting pothead, you would have remembered to say that not only do we have Patreon exclusive merch, but we also sell a shit ton of merch to our general audience on our website. Yeah, no, maybe I should have remembered that because that is the best way that you can support us aside from subscribing to our Patreon. But you can check all of that out on our website, which is www.therealdevilsadvocatepodcast.com and find us on any of our social media platforms or streaming platforms with the tag The Real Devil's Advocate Podcast. And again, that is HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash www.thereal.devil S-A-D-V-O-C-A-T-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Jesus.